Hey everyone, this is Stacey Lindis from Podcast PD, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all of the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Kindergarten Chaos, the developmentally appropriate podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. So just a quick reminder before we get started that if you haven't tried ESGI, ESGISoftware.com, that you will want to grab your free trial for 60 days. It's a complete free trial. No Visa card, anything necessary to sign up. And if you decide to purchase, you can save $40 with the code KIOSK. And if you choose do the free trial and then you decide you want to use it, everything you did on your free trial carries over. A couple of teacher friends of mine were worried to try it because they thought that they'd lose everything that they'd made on the free trial. But you don't. You can try it. You can make stuff. And if you decide you like it, you it just continues on and you will love it because it makes you look really impressive in front of your principal. Today we're going to talk about using music in your classroom. Music is one of my favorite things to use in the classroom. It does so many things. So there's so much research about how important music and art is for the brain as it's learning things. Do you want to hear just a couple quotes from some gurus about art and music? Sure. All right. Well, Eric Jensen, you know Eric Jensen, uh, right? He's, he's a guru. He's a guru. He says, he says, the arts enhance the process of learning. The systems they nourish, which include our integrated sensory, attentional, cognitive, emotional, and motor, capa- motor capacities are, in fact, the driving forces behind all other learning. And then David Sousa, you know David Sousa, right? Two of my favorite, Eric da- Jensen and David Sousa. Eric Jensen, David Sousa. David Sousa says, much of what young children do is play. Singing, drawing, dancing are natural forms of art. These activities engage all the senses and help wire the brain for successful learning. So one of the my favorite things that I have done in my kindergarten classroom my whole career is play the guitar and sing songs with students. And my husband, he is a rocker. He's in rock <laughs> bands. He plays the guitar fabulous. And so I asked him one day if he could teach me how to play the guitar. And he said, all you need to do is know A, G, D, and you can play any song on the planet. <laughs> so he taught me A, G, and D. And 30 years later, all I know how to play is A, D, and G. And I can play any song I want. It's true. (laughs) It really is true. And so I, every time I touch that guitar and I pull it off the, the wall and start to play, I can just feel the change in my students. They all immediately become engaged. They're attentive. They're paying attention to me. 
and the stress level in the room goes down the stress level of the room goes down and those are just some of my most cherished times to spend with my students is that little bit of guitar time let's talk about the different levels of integration when you're integrating music in your classroom there's four different levels of how you can integrate did that sound okay yeah, that sounded fine. Okay. And when we go through the levels, we don't want anybody to think we're making judgment calls, like that a level four is better than a level one, because it's not, because all different le- all of these levels are good for kids, and they're good for their learning. But it's, it's nice to know exactly what you're doing, and I think knowing the levels of integration helps you be more thoughtful about when you're planning to use music in your classroom. And also, if you are not a musician, that it doesn't matter. There's CDs, and you know, all you have to do is know how to push buttons mm-hmm. to use music in your classroom. So, don't immediately think, "Well, I can't use mu- music in my classroom because I can't sing." I actually have a teacher friend who really can't. I thought she was lying. <laughs> no, she really can. <laughs> but she used music very well in her classroom. So, well, and if you're lucky enough to have a music teacher in your building, and I I am, then use them as a resource because uh, they're they're an amazing resource to um, improve your students' learning. Um, And I'll talk about one way that I used my music teacher in the classroom as a resource later because that's an awesome collaborative thing you can do if you have it. So there are four artistic processes that students can engage in in an art lesson. Uh, respond, perform, connect, and create. So a level one integrated lesson, they're only doing one of those things. They're responding to music, or they're performing a piece of music, or they're connecting. Uh, actually, they're probably not creating, so <laughs> they're, they're doing one of the first things. So you're not... Um, it's more like a, a classroom management or singing a song. So, for example, um, Heidi Songs has a classroom management song that says, crisscross applesauce, clap, 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 eyes on the teacher, hands in your lap. And I can't remember if it has a melody or if it's just a chant like that. But that would be a level one integration because you're using the music or the chant to enhance your classroom environment, but it's not teaching a skill. It's not teaching a musical skill. It's not teaching, um, it's not teaching a language skill or a math skill or anything like that. Um, and, and another way that I use music in my classroom at a level one is whenever my kids are doing independent work, I'll go on YouTube and type relaxing music for children. And it'll turn on some YouTube playlist of, calming classical music and they'll listen to it while they do their work and it kind of relaxes them and makes the classroom feel really peaceful while they're working or another one is uh, they're going to be singing a song for their parents before the winter holiday so we're learning a song to sing together and that would be another level one music lesson so when i gave my example of singing to the guitar Mm-hmm. That's a level one. That would I, be a level we just one. just sang the songs to the guitar for pure enjoyment of music. Pure enjoyment. Of course, you're doing a million other things 
at the same time that are unplanned, like vocabulary and oral language. Mm-hmm. But we won't get into that. Yes. Well, <laughs> level because one is your objective. Yes. Part of defining if it's music. level one is what is your objective, right? Ah. Right. So a level two standard is when you're bringing in more of the artistic processes and you're starting to connect the music to the academic curriculum. So um, my example from Heidi's songs earlier was a level one integration, but if you use one of Heidi's other songs that teach spelling, then you're on a level two integration because they're performing the music, but they're also connecting it to a skill that they need to learn, which is spelling a word. Um, And usually when you're at level two, this is still something that's teacher-led and that you're focusing on content that's not the musical content. The music is serving the content at a level two integration. Like when you are teaching the sight word the, and it's T-H-E, T-H-E, I can spell the, T-H-E. That's exactly the song I was thinking of as an example. That was my very first Heidi song that I found. I think I remember the Heidi said that was the very (laughs) first song she wrote. Yeah. And, wow, kids get it immediately. That, uh, in writing, all you have to do is when they get to the word the, you say, sing it. And then, oh, I know how to spell it. Oh, I know. (laughs) T-H-E. So if you have not tried Heidi's songs, make sure you go and investigate her. If you go to our um, blog, and go on the sideboard there, bar, there's a link to Heidi's songs, and you'll love it. She has all kinds of level two songs that are teach, using music, music as the vehicle to teach a skill. And we also did an interview with Heidi for one of our podcasts, and, and I really enjoyed talking to her about how she came up with her songs in the first place. So if you want to check that out, that's available too. And another great resource is Singlish. I love Singlish. <laughs> Singlish is singlish.com. And Singlish I found oh, probably about 20 years ago at a conference. They had a little booth. And basically what it is is it's posters and CDs. And it's a myriad of songs that they have developed. And it's very well done and very well um, orchestrated with the music. And the objective of their program is to teach oral language and vocabulary skills. And so you're using music as a vehicle for students to develop those two skills if you're using. So one song that I really um, like to do, well, I love to do all songs, but an example of how to teach vocabulary and oral language development while using a song is... Uh, for example, over the river and through the woods. If you think about the songs, most of the words are known to you, but um, one of one word in that is drifted, or dappled gray, mm-hmm. or um, even some some students you can't assume they know woods. I asked my students one time what woods meant, and they had no clue. They didn't mm-hmm. know it meant the mountains or the forest, and so. When you're teaching songs, you need to really stop and think about the words that are used in the song and explain them to the students. And Marzano's Six Steps of Teaching Vocabulary is a great method to use when teaching new vocabulary from a song. 
or a language development is just basically giving students an opportunity to speak, to speak mm-hmm. fluently, to speak above their vocabulary level, to speak in um, intonation of a, a voice. and Well, and music is such a great way to support that because they can sing words that are above their regular language skills because the song is providing them a scaffold to do it. I know one thing that really sold me on, on Singlish is when I began to use it, I had about five students in my classroom who did not speak English at all. And they couldn't take that risk of trying English at the beginning of the year. It's really difficult. It takes those students about four months until they're willing to take that risk of trying to speak. But even though I knew they didn't know any English, there they were singing every word of every song. Mm. Because it's a risk-free environment for students to try and use their new vocabulary mm-hmm. and language that they're developing. And this is true with all students. All students um, learning that new vocabulary, it gives them a risk-free environment to try. Should we talk about what a level two integrated lesson would look like? Yeah, let's do. All right, so a level three integrated lesson is when the students are engaged in a core curriculum subject and an art subject. At, at the same time, They're, you're pulling in some music instruction and some regular classroom instruction and teaching them at the same time. So I mentioned earlier that for this, I pulled in our school's music teacher because she do, comes and does side-by-side lessons with my class sometimes. And she asked what I needed help with. And I said, my students are really struggling understanding what a syllable is. Could you please come in? and teach them a song and tie syllables to the beats of, of the music. So can you teach them about rhythm and beat at the same time you teach them about syllables? And so she came in and she taught them, this was in October, she taught them pumpkin, pumpkin, round and fat, turned into a jack-o'-lantern just like that. And then she taught them that the beat is the heartbeat of the song. And so then they clapped the heartbeat of the song Pump, or, uh, well, yeah, the heartbeat would be pumpkin, pumpkin, round and fat, turned into a jack-o'-lantern just like that. But then she talks about how rhythm m- matches the words of the song. So the rhythm is pumpkin, pumpkin, round and fat, turned into a jack-o'-lantern just like that. And I hope I didn't get beat and rhythm confused because I do sometimes. <laughs> so if you're a music teacher and I did it wrong, I apologize. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> beat, rhythm. Yeah. So then she talks about how syllables are the rhythm of our words. And so they cla- did it again. Pumpkin, pumpkin, round and fat. Turned into a jack-o'-lantern just like that. And then she gave them a, a paper with pumpkins printed on it in a row and then she gave them some candy corn and she had them touch the pumpkins on the paper for the beat so they touch it for pumpkin pumpkin round and fat i I can't remember she did a slow beat or a fast beat pumpkin pumpkin round and fat turn i'm I'm getting mixed up i would just do pumpkin yeah pumpkin fat because the turned into a jack-o'-lantern just like that Anyway, so then she had them put candy corns in if there was more than one syllable. So pumpkin was one pumpkin, but inside the pumpkin it got two candy corns because it had two syllables, right? So it was 
pumpkin, but inside the pumpkin are two candy corns for pumpkin. Anyway, I don't know if anybody followed me when I explained that, <laughs> but by the end of it, my students never had an issue with syllables again. They totally got it because they sing all the time, and when you sing, a word that has more than one syllable has to go on more than one note. And as soon as they realize that, they got it. Yeah, it's a great way to teach that skill. One thing I like to do with students of all ages is to help them learn how to make, uh, read with expression by using pitch and intonation and music. And so I just have a sentence like, the dog ran down the road. And I talk to the students about um, how I, I can read it, the dog ran down the road but I can put more expression in it and I can change my, the way the story is by using the punctuation and making my voice fit the story. So if it has an, an exclamation point at the end, then I talk to him about how my voice is gonna raise up. So I draw a line with the marker on the whiteboard and just start at the bottom and then draw a big kind of loopy line to the top. I hope you're all seeing my hand <laughs> <laughs> drawing it. And then I just start at the bottom. The dog ran down the road. And I talked to him about how with an exclamation point, that means our voice is going to pitch up as we're going. And then if I do the dog with a comma, the dog ran down the road. <laughs> That's a bad example mm -hmm. i'm gonna go with it <laughs> mm -hmm. it's kind of like grandpa let's eat let's eat grandpa and grandpa let's eat <laughs> by just changes the meaning by the comma <laughs> well you also reordered the words so. i know that no i didn't <laughs> yes you did i did but you don't have to it's a good ex it's a good example okay let's see. let's eat comma Le grandpa Let's eat grandpa. Let's eat grandpa. <laughs> okay, how did I do that time? I think we, I think we got it that time. <laughs> okay. So then I put a comment in the sentence and say, the dog ran down the road. <laughs> and then I talk about a period, how our voice stays the same. So I'll draw a level line across the board and and say, the dog ran down the road, and I'm saying, but that's not using a natural voice. When we talk naturally, notice how my voice kind of goes up and down and up and down. And so I'll kind of draw a bumpy straight line, mm -hmm. a bumpy straight line, mm -hmm. that's a, <laughs> a wavy line, and then follow the wavy line as we say, the dog ran down the road. And it really helps kids. It really helps that... Um, robot talk that kids get in the rut of doing mm -hmm. to to use that pitch and intonation that you would teach in music you would right. go up and down um in music should, should we talk about level four now sure all right so a level four integrated lesson is a really deep meaningful integrated lesson where the students are engaged in all four artistic processes. So they're connecting it, they're connecting the music to something, they're creating the music, they're performing the music, and then they're responding to the music. So this is less teacher-led and it's becoming more student-led. So, and they're learning musical skills as well as um, core curriculum skills. 
So one easy way that I think to do this in kindergarten is to turn your reader's theaters into a musical creation, which isn't that tricky to do. Um, we have one example in our store of the Gingerbread Man Reader's Theater as, uh, as an orchestration. So they read through the parts of the Gingerbread Man, but every time a character comes on, they play some sort of musical sound that they they this one's created for them but you know if you want to make this a level four you'd have the kids create it so you would say what what do you think that gingerbread man would sound like maybe he would sound like a bell ringing and and the bell will ring like this ding dong ding that will be the gingerbread man sound whenever the gingerbread man comes out we're gonna sing ding dong ding or we're gonna play that with bells or we're gonna play some sort of pattern with the rhythm sticks what do you think the fox will sound like when he comes out? Maybe the fox will sound like dun 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 dun. <laughs> so whenever the fox comes out, we all sing dun 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 dun. And then they can play rhythm sticks to tap as the gingerbread man runs. But that's an easy way to have them create their own musical experience is just take a reader's theater and have them invent little musical musical moments to it. I like to do, do that a lot, a little bit different than that, because with kindergartners, I feel like if I let them always create it, then, you know, what you get. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to have a little more controlled. And um, one I like to do always is the three bears. And so I would assign students to be different characters with different rhythm sticks. And they can... Uh, make up what sound they're going to make with the rhythm stick when um, we get to that part. And so I just draw a line along the board because I like to draw lines along the board, obviously. <laughs> and I will um, put an X if you're Goldilocks or a circle if you're Baby Bear or a square if you're Mama Bear or a red if you're Papa Bear. And then with the small group, I usually try this first in small group, then I will tell the story and pause when we get to their part, and they'll play their music, and it's that's always really fun. Mm -hmm. It it um, really allows students to pay attention to get ready for reading musical notations, mm -hmm. for one thing. One of our curriculum goals is to have the kids do experiences with weather, and so another way to integrate music that I've done is to have them create the sounds of weather with found instruments. So, you know, banging on a pan to be the thunder or clapping your hands to be the rain or snapping your fingers, maybe for raindrops would sound more like rain, um, or blowing through a tube. Uh, you can take tubes and attach wax paper to the end and get interesting sounds and that can be the wind. And then you can have the kids create a chart of when will, when will we hear the thunder? When will we hear the rain? When will we hear the wind? And you can draw it out on a map for them. And then if you point to the map, they just make the sounds as you point. Maybe make symbols on the map of every time you see the raindrop, raindrops make your sound. Every time you see the thunder symbol, thunder make your sound. And then as you point through this map, they can create their weather sound, their weather music. And that's a fun way to integrate music into yeah, one of my way. core curriculum goals. 
I feel like this is such visual stuff. I don't even know how well it's translating <laughs> to this medium. I know, but I hope we're giving you guys some ideas to use music in your classroom because music, no matter which level of the four levels that your objective is, it is it can change your classroom. It can create community and excitement and desire and it's a great behavior modification tool. It can change behaviors. It can if I love to use music for transitions. Like if the kids are being noisy and not listening to me, I don't say, you know, one, two, eyes on me or class or pay attention or any of that stuff. I just start singing mm-hmm. a little short song and all Bam, eyes they're are with immediately you. on me. Bam. They're immediately with me. And so if you're having any behavior problems in your classroom, try some songs. Try singing with them. And you don't have to be a great singer, like we said. It's just um, a finger play. Mm-hmm. And I love the finger play for Christmas that's coming up soon. So you take your thumb and wrap your fingers around it and place your other hand on top. Here is old Santa. Here is the top. Open the lid, out Santa will pop. And then and you, you lift up pop your thumb. your thumb out. It's so easy, but immediately the kids are, are just entranced with that um, little finger play. And there's millions like that. So I just want to encourage everybody to use music at some level in your classroom. And if you're using music, then you know what we're talking about. It is yeah. a great way to not only teach academic content, but to bring your classroom together in cohesion. So just to add to what you said, I have a student this year who has a diagnosis that makes behavior difficult sometimes. And um, on Friday, we had some visitors in our class for Native American Heritage Month, and they were doing some of their dances for us and sharing their culture. And um, as soon as our guests start turn on their music, and started dancing, this child sat up, sat at attention, and watched them the entire time. And I had never seen that from that child before. Never that kind of attention. And it was amazing, and it was beautiful. The power of music. Yeah. So. Yeah, don't underestimate it. Before we leave, we just wanted to let you know that we've started a Facebook group. And it's called the Kinder Guardians. <laughs> and we just hope that it'll be a place where um, new teachers and experienced teachers can get together and talk about how we can support each other in teaching in developmental and appropriate ways. And I, I know sometimes when you're teaching kindergarten or first grade or preschool, you can feel kind of alone. So we're hoping this can be a good supportive community for you. So check that out. Yeah, check it out. (laughs) And thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. I'm waving if you don't, if you can't see me, I'm waving. (laughs) (laughs) Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts. For educators, by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com.
Now can I listen to it? <laughs> 